0: What is up, Collective? How are we doing tonight? Oh, come on. You can't, you can't be that timid after a song like we just sang. How are we doing tonight? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I am uh, so glad you're here. I'm so thankful to be asked back again to be here with you tonight. And I've got to tell you something. I've got to be honest up front. When Josh asked me if I wanted to preach, he didn't tell me the topic I was getting. And so I agreed. And then I was like, all right, man, you, got, you guys have topics figured out yet? Will you text me the information? He was like, oh, it's on how to forgive. And I legitimately didn't text him back because I was in my heart of hearts going, I don't want to preach this. Because I'm going to be honest with you, this is one I struggle with. My life at this moment is in a place where it's really easy for me to hold on to a lot of unforgiveness. Uh, You guys might wonder why I've been here, why I've been around more often. Uh, I resigned from my dream job in September. Clayton and I were on similar trajectories for the last 16 years. Uh, I actually tried to hire Clayton at one point when he was just a youth minister here uh, when the crossing hadn't even started this idea of multi-site, um, he came down and before he got on the plane, Jerry asked him, hey Clayton, how, how would you feel if we asked you to be the, the campus pastor of this new location in Macomb, Illinois? And so Clayton stayed here, the rest is history. And he had this amazing ministry in macomb there's some awesome things that happened there a lot of the people that are here tonight have been influenced by clayton's ministry i had a similar ministry in texas uh, i was a i was actually hired to be a preaching associate that i moved into youth ministry uh, when i was 23 years old thinking that i had a better relationship with teenagers at that point than i had with adults and so I poured into that. I was in youth ministry for 16 years. Um, towards the end of it, I wasn't so much day-to-day. i led our entire staff at a church that's a, that's a lot like The Crossing, a large church. My dad's the pastor there. My family has been there for 29 years. And everything in my life said I was going to take over that church next year as the lead pastor. And in one meeting... All that got ripped away. I had the elders of our church call me, ask me to meet them, and they just went right to the bad news. They said, Matt, we don't think that you will be our next lead pastor. Actually, they didn't say we don't think. We know you won't be our next lead pastor, and we want you to find another job immediately. Start looking. Crushed. And I will tell you, we all need forgiveness. We all need to receive it. We all need to give it. And sometimes it can be really hard. It doesn't matter what has happened to us. It could be the smallest grievance. It could just be that someone has left you on red, right? Like, oh my goodness, they, I know they saw my text, two hours ago, and I saw that they were active on Instagram. And so I know that they are, they're on their phone. They've seen it. Why aren't they responding to me? And you're like, you know, harboring resentment towards someone. Or it could be something all the way to the other extreme. Some of the worst types of betrayal you've seen in life. A father that abandons his family. A loved one that has done something unspeakable to another loved one, or maybe even worse to you. So how do we forgive? How do we forgive in these moments that are just so difficult for us? Well, I want you to to watch a clip, and I want to lead into it before I show it to you. Uh, I'm from Dallas, and on September 6, 2018, I believe it was, Uh, a police officer got home after a 15-hour shift. She's texting. She's not paying attention. At least that's the story she told in court. She walks in the wrong apartment. And she goes into Botham Jean's apartment. He's in his own house, in his own apartment, in his own living room. And this police officer says... She was scared for her life, thought he was a burglar stealing all of her stuff, and she shoots him twice and kills him. Terrible situation. Every way you look at it, it's just heartbreaking. And in our area, and I know nationwide, but in our area, it captivated everyone. The trial came, and it was a hard one to watch. And then Botham's brother, Brant, takes the stand, and I want you to watch what he says. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So how do we forgive? Well, I think it's important for us to go to Scripture, right? In Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples come to him. The Bible tells us one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. This how-to series, like this is a great one, right? Because there's a spot in the Bible where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to. This is what he says in verse two. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation, Now, for some of you, you hear that, you've been in church before, and you're like, "Uh, time out, Matt. You skipped a few lines in the Lord's Prayer, right? Like you're going, you you missed a few parts. That's what the version is in Luke. Some people think that Jesus reiterated this a second time for them, but I actually want to go and look at it in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Those three chapters are what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' most famous sermon. Many have said this is the most famous speech ever given. And when Jesus goes through the Sermon on the Mount, what he does is it it appears to us that he raises the standard. So I want to look at a few of these with you, and then we'll get into the Lord's Prayer. He says, you've heard it was said, verse 21 of of chapter 5, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So what Jesus is telling them is, you've heard the law before, but I'm going to add something to it. He says, verse 22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Like, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I go, I'm good. Like, I haven't murdered anyone. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the clear. But then Jesus adds this thing, well, if you've ever been angry or you are still angry at a brother or sister, you're subject to judgment. He goes on, he says, you've heard it was said you should not commit adultery. You're like, yeah, I've heard that. That's one of the 10 commandments. Verse 28, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, I sit here and go, well, I've got the first part covered. I have not cheated on my wife. But let's be honest, I've definitely looked at women lustfully, and it's not just a man to woman, it goes the other way as well, ladies. I know some of you are having a hard time tonight with me preaching, but just stay where you're at, okay? Just kidding. I know that I'm not a stumbling block for too many of you. If you are, there's going to be counselors tonight. You can come up and confess that the fat guy tonight. Anyways, all right. But he goes on, he says, he says, again, you heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill the Lord the vows that you made. But I tell you, verse 34, he raises a standard, do not swear by an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. He goes on, you've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Hey, everyone's going to get what they deserve, right? But I tell you, verse 39, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn him the other cheek as well. He goes again, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see what he's doing, right? He's saying as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you're taking it to a whole nother level. And then in chapter 6, he goes through three different areas. He talks about giving. And he looks at the Pharisees, these hypocrites that go into the synagogues, and there's these brass things that look like a trumpet. They're throwing their change in so that everyone could see how great of a giver they are. And he's like, guys, giving's really important, but don't be like them. When you give to the poor, your right hand shouldn't even know what your left hand's doing. Like, you're not doing this to show off to people. Then he tells the story about prayer. We're going to get that in a minute. And then he goes to fasting. And he says, hey, when the Pharisees are fasting, they want everyone to know about it. Like they want to be seen by so many people. But I tell you, put something on your face. Dress in a way that people don't notice. Because what's important to me is that you're doing this for God, not so other people notice you. But let's jump back. Verse 5. He says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stay to, to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, so they can be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who has seen what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, like lost people. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And then Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. This is the one you know. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and watch it. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then watch what Jesus does. Out of all the things he just prayed for, he singles one area out, forgiveness. Verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's, that's heavy, isn't it? Like when you read the Sermon on the Mount at first glance and you read it in the way that a lot of times we read it, you're going, what Jesus is doing is he's taking a list of rules and he's making it more difficult. Is that what Jesus came to do? To establish like a whole bunch of rules and say, hey, this is what you have to do and all this. No. What actually happens is Jesus is giving us this principle. You remember when he said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all of you who are carrying just a lot, you're burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, when we come to Jesus, and we experience his forgiveness, what happens to us as believers is now these things that were burdensome before now become easy. Why? Because we're yoked in with Jesus. That Jesus carries the weight of those things for us. That Jesus helps us through it. And so things that seemed impossible before now actually become easy. They become light for us to carry because Jesus is carrying the weight for us. The beauty of what happens when we come to Christ is Jesus takes all of those things for us. He puts it all on his shoulders that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that what? We might obtain the righteousness of God something we could never earn on our own, something we could not justify by ourselves. But at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And so what happened for us is Jesus took all that weight that so many of us still carry. He forgave us. And so when you read this passage, when you pray the Lord's Prayer and you say, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Don't look at it through the wrong lens. And don't go, oh, God's only gonna forgive me for what I've forgiven other people. You're looking at it backwards. You look at it and go, I'm gonna forgive other people because of all that God has forgiven me of. You follow me? I'm not going to look at a woman lustfully because all that God has given me in my beautiful wife. I'm not going to have anger towards my brother because I would, never even want to, I would never want to murder my brother. So why would I carry those things? If someone strikes me, I'm going to turn the other cheek instead of look towards retaliation because what Jesus has done is he's yoked himself in with me. And now we are partners in living this life that I could never live on my own. So how do we forgive? Three quick things. Number one, you have to receive forgiveness from Jesus. He's the only person that can give it. And I know that in a room like this, there's people at different stages where you haven't truly received the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer And what I would tell you, if you ever want to learn how to forgive someone, it starts with receiving forgiveness yourself. You can go to a bookstore, you can search on Apple Books and try to find some self-help book that tells you how to stop harboring bitterness and forgive people. It's not going to help you. Because it all starts with Jesus. If you actually look up the the word in the New Testament, the Greek word for forgive, it's this word that means to be set free, to be let go, to release, to discharge, to liberate completely. In New Testament times, outside of the Bible, they use this word to reference when someone canceled a debt releasing someone from an obligation that they had, that they were under contract, that they had to pay for it, but as soon as that forgiveness happened, it was all gone. And you realize that Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe because you and I had a debt that we couldn't pay. You have to receive forgiveness from Jesus. Here's number two. It's not enough just to receive it. You actually have to experience being forgiven. This is where I think a lot of people stop, is they they go to an event like this, they go to a camp, they come to church, they have some Damascus Road experience, and they receive forgiveness, but they never allowed themselves to experience it. And what I want to tell you tonight is you've been completely forgiven. It's been removed from you. It's been taken as far away as the east is from the west. God has not just forgiven your sins. The Bible tells us he remembers them no more. Completely erased. You know, this is one of the reasons why I absolutely love that in our circle, We take communion as often as we meet together. We're going to take it tonight. You Take it every weekend. Why? Because you remember what Jesus did when he instituted the Lord's Supper, when he gave us communion. He took bread and he broke it and he says, this is my body which is given for you. The Bible tells us that His body bore our sins. He bore our sins in his his body. It says he was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All the things that we did wrong, the punishment that we deserve was placed upon him. So when we share in communion, what we are reminding ourselves when we take that bread is all the sins we've ever committed. Sins past, sins present, sins future are somehow all covered When you take that bread and you crush it between your teeth I want you to think tonight this isn't the communion meditation someone else is going to do that but when you crush it I want you to think about yourself and know that your sins are what put Jesus on the cross but communion is not just eating bread is it no it's Drinking of the cup. And when Jesus instituted instituted the Lord's Supper, he took that cup and he says, this is the the cup of the new covenant of my blood. How weird is that? Like if Jesus was anyone else and didn't die for our sins and his blood gave us forgiveness from our sins, like this would be the weirdest thing in the world. But in communion, it's the most beautiful thing, isn't it? That in that one meal, Not only are you reminded of your own sin and how big of a deal that was, but you're reminded of God's grace and his forgiveness, which washes us white as snow. Though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. There's power in that blood. There's forgiveness in that blood. And you want to talk about experiencing forgiveness When you take take communion with other believers, it's a reminder to us that we get to experience that forgiveness. And this should be a special time each and every time you do it. You know, Jesus tells a story about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. Peter actually comes to him and he says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus says, try 70 times seven which those of you that are like, well, I've done 471, I'm getting really close. You know, you're trying to do the math in your head. That's not what Jesus is saying. Seven and 70 are figurative terms, like not, not, not totally literal in this sense. What Jesus is saying is he's saying what defines us as followers of Christ is we are crazy with our forgiveness, We give it to people that don't deserve it. And he tells this story. It's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. I'm going to make it a little bit in our day and time. Imagine you made a ton of mistakes, financial mistakes, You went and spent all kinds of money you shouldn't spend. You bought things that you shouldn't have bought. Like, you go out, and I mean, you are in debt like crazy. You think student loans are bad. You bought cars. You bought a boat. Like, you maxed out every credit card. You've got bills everywhere that there are bills to be paid. And someone comes in, and they give you a million dollars. And you're like, okay, I can follow this story. Like, right, I'm, I'm with it. Enough not just to pay your debts, but enough to get you started to do life in a better way again, right? And so your life's going pretty decent, and someone comes up who borrowed $5 from you. And you look at them, and you go, man, where's my five bucks? And that person that gave you a million dollars is standing there watching how you're gonna deal with this. Get it? Like experience the forgiveness that all these debts that you, you owe them. Not the guy who just gave you a million dollars. You owe them. He gave you more than enough to pay your debts. You experience that forgiveness. Here's number three. I know this is like the title of the message kind of but we offer forgiveness to others. You know what the the Bible tells us in that story? That the unmerciful servant wanted to collect on the debt, the cheap debt that this person owed to him. And you know, I think there's a lot of us that do those same things. That you're like, Well, that person doesn't deserve for me to offer them forgiveness. Can I be honest with you? My situation, there are a lot of times in my flesh that I want to go, you know what? I'd like for for wrongs to be made right. I'd love to go out and do all these things. But is that my job? When I look at Jesus and what he's forgiven me of, guess what I can do? I can offer forgiveness to others. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those who have debts against us. You know, through this process, this has been a, I don't even know now, six, seven month long process that I've been going through. I went and met with a a counselor in Kentucky and he told me the two hardest types of forgiveness is one, when someone hasn't asked for forgiveness or even acknowledged that they wronged you, it's a really hard type of forgiveness to offer, right? Right? Or two, when you have to forgive someone just because that's who they are. And they're never gonna apologize. They may not even realize what they've done. But as believers, you know what we do? We offer forgiveness to others. It's a theme that's echoed throughout the rest of the New Testament. Paul says it in Colossians 3, verse 13. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, and then look what he says. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He turned it. He turned it from the way that Jesus taught us to pray. And he says, listen, this is our duty as believers, not an obligation because we want to make sure we're forgiven the right way, but because we've been forgiven of so much, let us be known by it. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, look at it, just as in Christ God forgave you. In Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, listen to how the psalmist writes this. He says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Listen to me tonight. Receive forgiveness from Jesus. Experience being forgiven. And I promise you this you'll be able to offer forgiveness to others. You know, but tonight, there might be some of us who sit here and go, well, I've never received that forgiveness. And in Acts chapter two, we find the story of the the debut of the church, the birth of the church. It's the day of Pentecost. The apostles come out, they preach. Three thousand people respond that day. And in Acts two, I believe it's verse 36, they they say to Peter, they say, what do we do to be saved? And Peter replies in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. See it? And you will receive forgiveness of your sins and the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you are tonight, I don't know if your forgiveness journey hasn't started yet. And tonight's going to be a really special night for you. Because tonight, God had you show up because he knew we were going to talk about forgiveness. Because he has been waiting for this moment in your life. That in just a few moments we're going to sing a song where we want you to respond and he's asking you to come forward and come to the steps and say to one of these awesome people that are your age, that are like you, that have made this journey on forgiveness before, to talk to them and say, I just I need to give my life to Christ. I need to receive forgiveness tonight. Listen, the only way that you will receive forgiveness for your sins is through Jesus. But maybe you've already received forgiveness, but that puts you in a different camp, right? Maybe some of you are dealing with forgiving yourself for things that you've done, maybe a long time ago, maybe recently, and you're holding on to stuff that God's not holding on to. He's already removed it. As far as the east is from the west, I promise you, he has removed your sin from you. And you need to experience that. You need to realize that this grace that God gives you is not something we could earn or deserve. It's a gift. And maybe you need to respond and just... Be overwhelmed. Experience it. Honestly, I got goosebumps just talking about it. Or maybe you're like me. Tonight you need to let it go. Say, God, I'm not going to hold on to this. This resentment, this bitterness. I'm going to forgive. As you have forgiven me. Whatever it is that God is moving in your heart, stirring in your spirit for you to do, don't sit there. Respond. Father in heaven, you are so good, you are so gracious and compassionate to us that God, you would give your one and only son to die in our place, to die for our sins, to offer us forgiveness. And Lord, I pray right now for anyone in this room, anyone that hears this message that hasn't experienced your forgiveness, that God, in just a few moments, they would respond and they would experience the forgiveness of their sins in a way that they never have before. Lord, I pray for those that are just dealing with the own punishment that they've given themselves. They've got an enemy who reminds them over and over of the bad things that they've done. And sure, Satan might remember it, but God, we know you have removed it. You have forgotten. You remember it no more. And so, God, I pray that that would ring true in our hearts, that it would ring true in our souls, that we would understand tonight that, God, we are forgiven. Let us experience the the glory of your grace tonight. And God, I pray for those that need to forgive someone. Lord, tonight's a great night to not just love those close to us and hate our enemies, but to love our enemies. And to pray for those who've persecuted us, who have wronged us. Lord, help us to offer forgiveness.